So forgiveness comes easier when we remember the times in our own past that we were forgiven, when we failed, when we've blown it. It's easier to forgive someone when you're like, you know what, I've blown it. I've done that. I've pouted. I've said something that I shouldn't have said. I've worn my emotions on my sleeve and gotten my feelings hurt. I'm willing to forgive that guy, that girl. How many times have you been in Shimei's shoes? When was the last time you've done or said something that could have offended another person? You got to think about that. Forgiveness comes easier when you remember the times in your past when you were forgiven. In today's message from Pastor Mark, he teaches you to forgive others. Every person on this earth has fallen short of the glory of the Lord. Forgiveness is not always easy, but you are called by God to extend it. All of us have had times where we have worn our emotions on our sleeves and we've said hurtful things that we shouldn't have. When you recognize that someone has come to you to be reconciled, extend them the forgiveness you too have received. Always try to extend forgiveness, love, and grace to others. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 19 with today's edition of Come Alive. Jesus tells us, pick up your cross daily, deny yourself. Our heart says, oh no, I want to cry, I want to weep, I want to, I want to pout, I want to feel sorry for myself. My heart tells me that all the time. I don't know if your hearts tell you that, but mine does sometimes. I'll be doing stuff in the morning all by myself here, and I'll be like, man, it'd be great if somebody just showed up. Thanks, Lord. Thanks. He's all like, hey, bro, what are you doing? Like, I'm by myself. I'm allowed to pout. But when everybody comes in, it's like, okay, it's a different deal. I got to right myself. I got to balance myself. I got to make sure my feet are underneath me. Like, all right, Lord, correct my thoughts. Give me wisdom. If I go to him and, and I keep that relationship vertical, then I won't have a problem on the horizontal. See, emotions have a contagious condition and it affects the position of all. If I got up here and told you how sorry I felt for myself and all this stuff, you guys would be like, man, why do we want to talk to him? Some of you might be like, oh, poor you, bro, you know, and it's not about me. Uh, In that meeting room over there every Sunday morning, we say the same thing. It's all about everybody that comes in here. We need to be about you. We need to be about your hurts. And then you don't need to be about your hurts. You need to be about the hurts of the guy next to you or the girl next to you. Because if it's all about you, you start to suck the life out of us. It can't be all about you all the time. There comes a point where we're like, okay, cool. Hey, you know, we've done this. Pat on the bottom like the football players do and get out there and go for it because you're going to get hurt the next time you run out there. My son, I was so proud of him. You guys know I used to skateboard and skate and all that stuff, and I've never, ever pushed him towards that sport at all. Never, ever once did I say, hey, I'll buy you a skateboard. One day he shows up. He goes, Dad, I want a skateboard. And I looked at him, my heart's jumping for joy, fireworks are going off. I mean, I can just hear, dun, 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 dun. and I was like, really, you want a skateboard? Yeah. All right, bro, we'll get you a skateboard. You got to do well on the Lightning McQueen skateboard before I buy you another one. Well, he didn't do well on Lightning McQueen. He actually hated it because I don't know if anybody knows, you stand on that thing and you could be standing on a really steep hill and you'll just stick. You won't move. You're just like, okay, I'm on a hill. I'm not moving. Gravity doesn't even work on that skateboard. 
It's amazing. I mean, if you're ever on a plane that's crashing, break it out. <laughs> you're not going to go anywhere. You'll be safe. So he wants this skateboard. So we go to the skate shop, and we walk in there. And the guy, the young kid, I told you the story about the young kid we got the witness to and stuff. You know, he's kind of looking around and gets a skateboard, put it together. So this week he goes, Dad, you promised you'd take me to a skate park. I'm like, dude, you, you've barely skated through the living room floor. You should get on the street and at least learn how to turn the board before we go to a skate park. There's going to be kids and boards zipping by you and everything. No, Dad, can we go check it out? All right, we'll go check it out. So we went to go look. We go in there, and I'm thinking all the ramps and stuff, because there's not a lot of room to skate, would scare him. What's he say? Dad, can I do that? And as a dad, I'm like, no, you're going to get hurt. I didn't say it out loud. I'm thinking all this. I'm looking at my wife, and she's like, yeah, you should let him try it. I'm like, she, she hates him. <laughs> so I'm like, are you sure, dude? And I said, can we go in there and look? And the guy goes, yeah, you can go in there and look. I'm like, yeah, you see this? You and so this little bitty kid, nine, Ace is seven. So you got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And the little bitty kid, he's just zoom, flying, doing jumps all over this ramp. And Ace is looking at him. He goes, yeah, Dad, I want to do it. I was like, you know you're not going to be able to skate that well, right? He goes, I know, Dad. I just want to try it. So I go out there and I tell the guy, I go, how much is it? Seven bucks. Here's seven bucks. He's got to wear a helmet. Praise the Lord. You got to wear a helmet. How about knee pads? Nope. How about elbow pads? Nope. I'm like, dude, you got to wear something, please. And he's got his little wrist guards on, so he's looking kind of nerdy. He's the only kid in there with wrist guards, basketball shorts. All the other kids got the cool skate shorts, and he's got his cool skate shoes and a school skate helmet, and he's standing there, and I'm like, oh, these are skateboarders. They're not the nicest people in the world, right? I mean, I always, my joke is the difference between me when I skateboarded in a Hoover vacuum was the way the dirt bag attached to the board, you know? I mean, that was just it. So I was like, man, these guys are going to be rude. They're going to be mean. And he gets in there, and the kids are like, come on, dude, show us what you can do. And he gets on his board, and they're all cool, and they're like, all right, man, and they're knuckling up. And I'm like, these are different kids than what I grew up with. Something's happened, which is kind of cool. And so he goes up, and he pops his little willy and gets on the thing. I'm like, wow, I didn't know he could do that. So he starts to skate around. So then they're like, hey, try this, and they take him to a ramp. And I'm like, oh, dear God, we don't have insurance. Please, Lord, protect him. So he drops in. He falls, gets up, does it again, does it again, does it another time. And you're just like, whoa, wow, that's amazing. Now, as much as he got hurt and he wanted to pout, he sucked it up because he knew publicly, not because it's a rule in our house that he can't pout publicly because I'm sure if you see him today, he might do a little pouting because he doesn't get another donut. But whatever, he, he sucked it up. He didn't pout. There were other kids around. And it wasn't because of pride. He, you could tell he was hurt. One time he actually slammed his chin into a, a fun box. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up on the Internet. I'm not going to explain it. But he hit pretty hard. And he got up and he cried, but he was good with it. And so he, kinda, he just sucked it up. And so those emotions that I had of being kind of afraid, I didn't let him know because it would have been contagious. He would have been scared. And what happened was it kind of made me a little braver every time he fell and got back up and did it again and fell. Because, I mean, seriously, when I skated, it took me a week to do what he did in a day or in a few minutes. And he was done. So I get home. Hey, you want to do it again? You don't have to do it again. You don't have to make me proud. I'm totally cool with you not doing this again. Because I'm thinking medical bills and just a hurt son. My heart was breaking for him just to watch him get hurt. I told Jess, I was like, man, I'm not an emotional dude like that. But every time he fell and he stood up and he just kind of... I just wanted to cry for him because I was like, I know that hurts. 
but I didn't cry for him because, like, all those kids would have made fun of me. They're like, who's that big baby over there? And it's my dad. But so those emotions have that contagious thing. And so these other kids being brave, it was contagious for my son to be brave and try it. And then for me to be like, hey, you know what? I need to suck it up too and just be brave and let him do it. See, it's not about us. We're told to deny ourselves when it comes to those emotional things that happen in the church. People are going to hurt your feelings. People are going to hurt. Sheep bite. Sometimes you guys are sheep. Sometimes you bite. You may not mean to, but sometimes you do. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you're just all like, okay, you're biting a finger. Get off, mean sheep, get off. Slap them in the head. You ever have a dog do that? Just kind of pop them in the head and they just look at you like, what'd you do that for? Or what was that? But sometimes that happens. And it might hurt a little bit, but it's okay because they, you know what? We don't know what they're going through. We don't know why they're biting and snapping and trying to headbutt. We don't know why. It could be something big and they just don't know how to express it. It comes out in in emotions. But you know what? If it comes out in emotions all the time and it's, and it's me making you feel sorry for me, it just, it's not going to work well. You guys will pick up. It'll be contagious. And then all of a sudden we got this whole church that's all melancholy. And David was a melancholy dude, but he does write at the end of all those melancholy psalms, hey, but it's the grace of God. He talks about how great God is. It's not him. It's God. So even if that other person made you mad, sometimes we got to just suck it up. Sometimes people's emotions take them on that roller coaster ride up and down, up and down. And because some get upset or their feelings get hurt, we, we don't know what to, you know, basically we now want to not do what we said we would do. So I just didn't do what I said I would do. A lot of times people get hurt and they, they say, hey, you know, I was going to play the drums or whatever it is. And then they're, they get hurt and they don't do it. They don't show up. And it's like they don't let their yes be yes or no, no. Well, you hurt my feelings, man. Sorry, bro, I didn't know I hurt your feelings. You could have talked to me about it. You're kind of harsh. Sorry, man, didn't know. Just trying to tell you the truth and love as best as I could and and try to be straightforward with you. Don't want to beat around any bushes because we ain't got time to be chasing each other around bushes. So, again, even if others depended on it, the thing that you're called to do and you're mad and you're not do it just because you were bummed out and you needed to pout, it's all about who at that point. It's all about me. It's all about me if I'm that guy. And if we put our hope in God, we'll not be disappointed. Don't put hope in money and people. Don't think that people are always going to treat you kindly and they're going to love you and make you the most popular. They're going to hurt your feelings. Put your hope in God. Depression, discouragement, and defeat are the instruments that the enemy uses in everyone's lives. He wants us bummed out. He doesn't want us to be effective. He wants to affect your family and friends and have them look at you and be like, oh man, that poor person over there, they just can't, they can't make it. They can't muster it up today. And there are some people that really can't do that. And so prayer, but it's like, hey, we got to go to them and say, hey man, are you putting your hope in God? Or are you putting your hope in fill in the blank? See, maturity brings us to this place where we say we won't put our cares on those around us. We're going to focus on their cares and we're going to pray for them. Be very careful how you wear your emotions and where you wear them because if they're on your sleeve, you're going to bump them. They'll get bruised and they'll get hurt. Look at verse 8. And then the king arose and he sat in the gate. They told all the people saying, there's the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king for every one of Israel had fled to his tent. Now all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, the king saved us from the hand of our enemies. He delivered us from the hand of the Philistines and now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, 
has died in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? So here, David has changed his mind and his outlook. He, Joab had told him something. He's like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll snap out of it. And it's possible to snap out of it for a moment. And so you and I have been blessed beyond words. The Bible tells us we've been given every spiritual blessing. So what are we bummed out about, really? That things don't go our way? That things aren't going the way we think they should go? Did God ever say, hey, it's always going to be sunny? Because we know what happens when it's always sunny around here. It's hot. Then we're not happy with that. And we wish it would cool off. And we want rain. And we get rain. It's always muddy and rainy around here and muggy. We're never happy. Verse 11. So King David sent to Zadok and Abiathar the priest, saying, Speak to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the last to bring the king back to his house, since the words of all Israel have come to the king to his very house? You are my brethren, you are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, Are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me, and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me continually in place of Joab. Some of us might be like, what, Joab just lost his job? And this is crazy. I mean, you think Joab's been there for a long time. He's been his buddies. He, hey, he's been real with him. Snap out of it. But if you think about this, he says, Amasa, I want you as general. See, he, he returns, David returns to rule, okay? And he also returns relatives. That's what we see now. Relatives are being returned. And if you remember, Amasa was one of the first to go with Absalom, one of the first to defect. So he says to Amasa, I want you as a general, even in place of Joab, because it's his family. And so look at verse 14. It says, so he he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they sent this word to the king, return you and your servant. And the king returned and came to Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And Shimei, the son of Gera, Benjamite, who was from Baharim, hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons and his 20 servants with him. And they went over the Jordan before the king. And then a ferry boat went across to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. Now Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. And then he said to the king, Do not let the Lord impute iniquity to me, Or remember what wrong your servant did on the day my lord, the king, had left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Three hardest words in the English language, I have sinned. Therefore, here I am, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph, to go down to meet my lord, the king. And so here, rule is restored, relatives are restored, and now even rebels are restored. If you remember, Shimei was the guy that was basically throwing rocks and cussing David out. And I mean, he, he was crazy. Uh, when I read that story, I just imagine what this guy was doing. And I just laugh sometimes at his craziness. And so Shimei felt really bold when it looked like the kingdom was being taken away from David. But he says, here again, I have sinned. I have sinned. He's asking for forgiveness. They, they may have sounded familiar to David because David has said those same words to Nathan. Remember? So forgiveness comes easier when we remember the times in our own past that we were forgiven, when we failed, when we've blown it. And it's easier to forgive someone when you're like, you know what, I've blown it. I've done that. I've pouted. I've said something that I shouldn't have said. I've worn my emotions on my sleeve and gotten my feelings hurt. I'm willing to forgive that guy, that girl. How many times have you been in Shimei's shoes? 
When was the last time you've done or said something that could have offended another person? You got to think about that. See, we know what we did was wrong and the other person is hung up on it. So if that other person's hung up on it, well, guess what? The ball's in your court. The ball's in your court. You've got to make a decision. And we need to come to terms. We need to admit that we were wrong. And when we're 100% in the wrong, it's even tougher. David could have just ignored this guy. And and that wouldn't have been cool either because he, he could have just been a little indifferent. And if you're taking notes, just write this down. Indifferent is just rage controlled. It's rage controlled. He's indifferent because here's why rage is controlled. You're so angry at that person, you just ignore them no matter what they need. They may need help and you're just like, whatever, I don't care. I'm indifferent. That's not what we're called to be as Christians. And then Ziba, remember Ziba, the liar? He's, he's one of, he was the one that told David that Mephibosheth was a turncoat and wanted to bring tribute to David. Uh, these guys are like the prodigals, right? You think about prodigals. We always pray that prodigals return home to their, to their parents. Well, these are the prodigals, and they do. They come back. And, and though it would, it would be easier to hate these guys than to forgive them, he actually kept his focus vertical. Again, David keeps his focus vertical, and he loved his enemies. Isn't that what we're called to do? Jesus says, love your enemies. If somebody punches you in the face, turn the other cheek. If if they want to borrow your shoes, you know, let them wear them for two miles instead of one. Walk along with them. Be with them. Love them. Be different. Verse 21, but Abishai, the son of Zariah, answered and said, shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? This guy still wants to kill this guy. I mean, it's been two weeks since, and it's going on still for two weeks now that this guy wants to kill this, this guy Shimei. And so David says, you know, here in verse 22, and David said, what have I to do with you sons of Zariah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king swore to him. So there's something about being humbled and forgiven that David has experienced, and he's experienced both of these things. And so it's, he says, yeah, you know what? I'll forgive you. I, I, I've been in, in, in bad places before. I've done the wrong thing. And those people who have been humbled and forgiven, well, you know what they make? They make good forgivers as well. David was very aware of his own failures. And so these times when God humbles you and, you know, it seasons us and it makes us merciful, we need to be aware of our own shortcomings because that's, that's how we grow. That's how we're humble. Hey, you know what? I got this shortcoming. You know what? Sometimes I think the Lord puts people in front of us that have those same shortcomings, and you look at them, and you're just like, oh, man, that, I can't. That just so bo- That's me. They got the same shortcomings as I do. I, I find it amazing. I'm bothered at the same at me. You get in front of the mirror, and you wash your face, and you're just like, man, there's something about that guy I just don't like. What is it? Now, this morning, he was red, but, I mean, he's just same guy pretty much. See, the proud... When we're so prideful, we have a really hard time forgiving others. And again, like we said in the first service, it requires thick skin. Kind of, you know, they say, I remember in uh, school of ministry, they used to tell us all the time, you, you need to be like a rhinoceros. And I was just like, I didn't get it. I was like, I, a horn? Or a, no, dude, you need to have thick skin and a big heart. A big heart to love the people that are, are out there trying to penetrate that thick skin. So see, we, we need calm responses. We need to be calm when somebody says something or does something. We need to just be calm, sit back and listen and not try to defend ourselves right away and understand that, hey, we don't know what's going on in that person's life. They may just need to unload. 
that person may be a dump truck. But when they're a dump truck every week, unloading, 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 then it might be those times where you say, hey, you know what? Pat them on the back. Say, get going. Start serving. Get doing something. But quick, get your eyeballs off of you. And please don't take offense to that because I say that in love and, and get them moving on. They need to grow. And so we need to display Christ to those who tend to offend or seem offensive. Another thing to do is try to understand where the offender's coming from. Again, we don't ever know what's going on in another person's life. And so when a rebel repents, we have an obligation to let them come back, to let them come back. And then we have an obligation to watch and make sure there's fruit of repentance because if we see the same stuff happening over and over again, well, then uh, we need to say something. And after all, isn't that what Jesus came to do is to restore people to God? Isn't that what we were before we knew Jesus Christ as our Savior? We were rebels. So before you throw a fit, pout, scream, and yell and demand your way, ask yourself, self, who is this about? If it's all about me, then you need to probably have a conversation with God. And if it's about other people, then okay, you're on the right track. Because when the rebels return and repent, so often we take this attitude of, oh, so I see you've been out there backsliding. And we kind of want to turn our back on them. We don't want to trust them. And there's part of that. But again, that goes back to feelings and emotions. If we kept that relationship vertical, Lord, how do, you, how do I treat this person? There's nothing wrong with caution. There's everything wrong with bad attitude. And so you're really back is what we have. Oh, you're really back. Are you going to blow it again? Are you going to blow it again? How many times are you going to blow it before? I mean, I don't know if I can trust you. See, sometimes we just ask, like, hey, did you just come back to church for the coffee and the free donut or what? What's up? It's hard to repent. So when those people that are out there backsliding, they come back and they return, you know what, it's, it's tough for them to be humble, and it's tough for us to sometimes trust, but we, if we keep that relationship vertical, we don't need to throw attitude. No, we should just throw our arms out and be like, hey, welcome back, dude. We love you. We want you here. Because love will win. When relatives return and rule is restored and rebels repent, it's our opportunity and our obligation to help them, to help them along with the ultimate restoration process because it really isn't about you. It's about God, and it's about his relationship, and it's about him bringing people into the kingdom, and that's what we should be about. That's what it's all about. And so here today we see that David doesn't get to pout publicly, neither should we, and it's about restoration and accepting those people that return and seeing those things be in return. That should be our focus and our goal is to see the kingdom return to what it needs to be and not let the world say, oh, well, just trust your heart. If I trusted my heart, there'd be all kinds of problems. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Mark's teaching in the book of 2 Samuel. We wish we had more time to spend with you, but sadly, we need to wrap up our broadcast today. Right now, though, you can hear more from Come Alive by visiting our website. At Come Alive Radio, you'll be able to listen to past teachings, connect with us on Instagram, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd love to meet you, too, so consider yourself invited to our Sunday services at Calvary Chapel Katy. You can find out more at comealiveradio.com or give us a call at 281-391-5503. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer. Before we end our time with you, Tracy has a request to share. Here at Come Alive, we want to make sure we're following God, not what other people around us are saying. With everything we do, we want to honor our Creator and point people to salvation. That's where you come in. We'd appreciate your prayers for Pastor Mark and all of us here at Come Alive. 
Would you lift us up to the Lord each time you listen to our program? Thank you for interceding on our behalf. Would you consider donating to Come Alive too? Any amount is helpful, and you can easily donate by texting 77977. That's 77977. Thank you so much for prayerfully considering this, and thanks for tuning in to Come Alive.